On the line, as I had promised, I'm talking to Marianne Mayer. Hi, Marianne. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Lovely to speak to you and the audience. It's um, always good to speak to you and the listeners. Wow, that is awesome. Uh, today we're answering the question, are you an achiever or a competitor? And I was just thinking to myself uh, earlier on, and I, I said this to the family, sometimes we compete with others, where else we do not even know their race, we do not understand it, we do not understand the calling upon their lives, and then when we fail, we feel like God has failed us because we are competing with that which we do not know. (laughs) Very true. Well put, Sibongile. Yeah, well put. And yeah, sometimes we do not understand the difference between competitors and achievers. How do we differentiate the two? Well, it it is vested in actually in what motivates you. So are you mostly motivated by an internal drive that yeah. can make you an achiever and that often only comes later in life? Whereas being a competitor is whether you're motivated by an external drive and that's often more evident in our younger lives. So the one is not better than the other, but they're very, very different. So when you compete, it's like typically, you know, Hussein Bolt and at the Olympics, that is at the moment just a distant memory, we would, you know, you would go down and you would wait and you would run to the finish line and you want to be there first. Mm. And in in order to do so, um, you need to focus on the finish line. You can't focus on the athletes beside you, but you need to be very, very aware of what the competition is doing. Mm. So your training is always about being better, being better, improving your own goals, Mm -hmm. your own times, but constantly being aware of what other people are doing because, you know, although we raise our children to believe everybody is a winner, you know, (laughs) everybody gets a little medal, Mm. it's not really true in real life. You know, Mm. who can remember who came second at the Olympics? Mm -mm. Nobody. Coming, Coming second you know, so I think it's that. It's, it's that we have this inane calling that we need to win, that we need to be the best. Mm. Whereas when you are an achiever, and like I said, often it comes later in life, I can also relate this to emotional maturity. It's almost that you are aware of your surroundings, you are aware of the competitive environment, but you focus more on achieving your own goals Mm. than being better than the people around you when they try to achieve their goals. Does that make sense to you? Mm. But now, is the other one, is any one of the two better than the other? I'm very hesitant to to say so because you know what, both have a place in business, in our personal lives. I think we all, you see, it's related to motivation. If we are not motivated, what is going to get you out of bed this morning Mm. if it's a cold winter's morning? Mm. What is going to get you to work and give your best when nobody is watching you, when you're still working from home, and when you can just float successfully for a day? And then that's where achieving comes in, because then you have that internal locus of control when you need to go you know, to bed at night, knowing that you've achieved certain things, um, your own checklist, on your way to achieving your own goals. Whereas competition is incredibly useful in a sales environment. Mm. Uh, often people who work on commission, people who are athletes, 
um, even the school environment, academic environment, knowing that there's some prize, you know, mm. helps us to achieve a lot better. So, yes, and, and I think God also calls on us to understand our talents, to use those talents. But, first of all, it, it should be to His praise and glory, mm. then achieving our own goals, using the talents that God has given us. But mm. competition also helps us to make this world a better place. <laughs> but it could also be used for the reverse reason. <laughs> <laughs> Hope not. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is. Yeah. Competition can be really nasty if you're just seeing how um, people race on the road for no good reason. You know, yeah. somebody has a hot car and here they just look at each other at traffic. Uh, at, it has happened. It has happened yeah. to me a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they there's so little excitement during lockdown that racing down, you know, a street may be very good competition for some people outsmarting each other. Mm. And then having bragging rights at the bri as to which model or car yeah. is the best, you know, then it becomes negative. Mm. But now how do we see the effects of the competitive world on the psyche of a person or people? Yeah. So uh, that's a very important question over there, Simbogile. I think as soon as you do things to impress other people, it becomes problematic. The way you dress, what you weigh, um, what you eat, what you buy, mm. how you spend your money, um, you know, even how you dedicate your, God, your time to God, because God himself said, if you do good, good unto others, do it so that only you know the right hand should not know yeah. what the left hand yeah. is doing. So I think as soon as it becomes important that the whole world knows what you've done, how good you've been to others, then it becomes competition because ah. in essence, you want kudos, you yeah. want applause. Whereas if you're an achiever and you know that we never, never in this world on our own, we are through the grace of God, but also through the grace and help and upliftment of the people around us. Mm. And if we understand that and we also help others achieve their goals, then mm. achievement would be my favorite place. Mm. Now that you also mentioned how we raise our children yeah. um, a, a little bit there when you were talking about everybody getting a little star and all of okay. that. <laughs> but how are they affected by this whole uh, achiever competitive, yeah. I mean, achiever and competitive? Uh, spirits, how are they affected as children? Yeah, you know what um, I think we, again you know, we know who the top 10 students at school are when, you know, we could still practice sport full out and cultural activities we knew who the winners are and usually at school they get rewarded or in academic environment or even at work, salesperson of the month or employee of the month but, you know, our children had to learn last year that to function a lot more independently but what is sad is that very often parents project their own views, their own disappointments onto mm. their children. Mm. And they want their children to perform to achieve a certain social status. Mm. Because, you know, as a parent, it looks really well if your child mm. uh, has done well academically. And what it does with the competition of the top 10 academic achievement at school or, you know, get, you know getting a, a place in the first football team, rugby team, that becomes a, a goal in itself and it's no longer really about teamwork. Mm. And they are, you know, they can only be top 10 in each grade. And if we are in a school where I have three or 400 children in my grade, what is my chance 
of then being one of the top ten. Mm. And also we must know that God has given us different talents. And on the cognitive way, in, in the cognitive format, your IQ, your intelligence, and so on, we're not all gifted the same way. Yeah, yeah. So traditionally, schools are rewarding children who have that cognitive gift mm-hmm. and know how to apply it. Very mm-hmm. often also have supportive parents, have a privileged environment where they can study and, and get things done. Mm. But what about the child who has the potential of achieving 60? That, that's his or her benchmark. That is their best. That, that they is can give. It's an achievement, yeah. yes, if mm. they achieve that 60. But in the school's perspective, now the focus on, is on competition. Mm. Because when you give your best, and perhaps that child achieves a 65%, mm. he or she has overachieved, has worked harder mm. than the child who can get 95, mm. but then only, you know, in inverted commas, gets 85. Mm. He or she still gets colors, merits, achievements, but actually they were underperforming. So unfortunately, that then becomes a very difficult culture. And so many of us grow up with a feeling of, I am not good enough mm. because I didn't get a place on the top 10. I wasn't a prefect. I wasn't class captain. I was not chosen. And so many people feel rejection because of all these expectations. So if I may say that if you really want to raise achievers, help them set goals at the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. that suits their talent, their cognitive ability, their environment, their Mm. potential, also their aptitude, what they enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Because you can be brilliant at maths, but you hate it. Or let's not use maths. You can be brilliant at accounting, but you don't see yourself becoming a CA. Mm. So all of that needs to be in zinc for us to be achievers. And we as parents, they need to accept when our children don't want to be a CA, cannot achieve 90% academically. Mm. Um, so we need to make sure that we help our children, our employees, our staff, our in fact, everybody around us to become more comfortable with a human that they just are. Mm. And, and I think then we are raising achievers. And, and don't get me wrong, the competitive um, environment that is created at school is, is normal. It's, it's, it's beautiful that we also reward children and grown-ups and wherever we go in all walks of life, mm. that people are rewarded because they've worked hard. Mm. But we cannot only reward the top achievers Mm. because I think there are many, many awards that are not given. Mm. What about those children who at music concerts, they Mm. man the instruments, they are the children behind the scenes, Mm. they typed up the programs and so on and so on. Very often there are no rewards for children like that Mm. and Mm. then they Mm. grow up as adults believing that they're not good enough as whereas actually, if we think about it, mm. God wants us to lead a life of servant leadership. Mm. And that servant leadership is not about competing, it's not always about being the best. It's sure. being the best you can be, and then perhaps rising others up mm. to be even better, achieve more than what you ever will, because your talent is grooming, coaching others. Your sure. talent may not have been other things. You know, we most of the times view competition as 
like seriously bad and yeah. we never look at um achieving one yeah. being an achiever from a negative eye altogether but now can being an overachiever lead to problems which require therapy can it lead to that Absolutely, and we often see that at Kuramdeo, where that's my background, that's where we used to, we obviously help people who feel insignificant, who people feel rejected, who feel hurt by society, yeah. who simply weren't good enough, um, you know, just in, in, in marriages or relationships that don't work out, there was a third person involved, that's competition, Eesh. I had to compete to get the attention of my spouse, mm. Um but there's also, and that's, uh, that's, that's the feeling of underachievement, and that also comes with a lot of baggage. Mm. So it's never good enough that we allow our children, ourselves, or our staff members to just lie on the couch, to just be in that permanent horizontal position. We need to chill. We need to take time out. But sometimes it becomes a lifestyle mm. because they've actually given up because they feel it doesn't even help that they try because they're not going to achieve that, that really that top 10. But sure. Overachievers, they struggle just as much. So one can be depressed by just become being an overachiever, yeah, striving to be actually. Exactly, and that's the point. You make a very, very good point. Is that being an overachiever, being seen? Maybe you're not even that. Maybe you're just achieving your potential. Mm. But society sees you as an overachiever, and you need to you need to carry on with that legacy. You need to satisfy that expectations of others, and it becomes your own expectation. And then also what might happen is you may expect that from the people around you. Mm. And it goes two ways. Either an overachiever expects to be served by others in his or her quest to stay in that top position, mm-hmm. or they eventually discover that perhaps at school everything was perfect for them to achieve eight A's. Mm. But once they go into a tertiary environment, especially now where students have to study online and do their own thing, they discover that they struggle to do these, these things on their own. Mm. Um, and overachieving becomes, it's so stressful and that sometimes people just say, I don't want people to have all these expectations of me, yet it is expected. So mm. I cannot disappoint other people. Mm. I have to be in church every Sunday. I have to do this. I have to, you know, make sure that there's a cooked meal, healthy meal on my family's dinner table every night by 6 o'clock. Mm. And those kind of expectations lead to immense disappointment because sure. we're living in an imperfect world sure. and frustration. And I think... That's often where depression comes from. It's because mm. we expect too much. No. And, yeah. you know, I've, I just heard just yesterday, I heard something so important from, from somebody who runs with me. And she says to me, let's not strive for perfection. Mm. Let's strive for excellence. Yeah. And I think then if we do that, all of us are going to be achieved. Sure. Now, as we are closing, Marianne, what does the Word of God say? What does God say about competing and achieving? Is there anything in His Word on that? Oh, absolutely. I, could, I just can think of so many parables and so many examples. If, if we think of, of David and, and Solomon and Paul, people like that who we perhaps also in, in the church history, we've looked at them as as, as spiritual idols, mm. and how they were also actually imperfect people, like Moses, who stuttered, yet God chose him to guide his, his people mm. out of Egypt. Mm. And I think God is saying is that 
you know what, you're not in competition with every, anybody because I, I who, who is God, I am in control, mm. but you can compete because we need you to use your talents. Mm. But listen to God's voice, listen to your conscience, mm-hmm. keep yourself busy what the Word is, is, is saying to you. And whether you choose to read the Bible in one year because that was sort of like what you set out to do in January, or whether you ponder in one chapter for an entire year, mm-hmm. that is your choice. So I think God says, let's use our talents, but use it to His glory and to the upliftment of others. Mm-hmm. And if you have a bit of healthy competition that brings fun and laughter into your life and that's going to help you unlock hidden potential, Mm. I think God will smile upon us. Wow. Marianne, thank you so much for ministering to the family yet again today. And I think now we have learned the pros and cons of both (laughs) (laughs) competitors and achievers and looking into it's time for self-introspection. Where do we fall under and are we healthy in our walk as achievers or as competitors as well? And um, do we know what the Lord is saying unto us? So thank you so much. In closing, uh, what do you say to the family? I would like to say to the family, you know what? You are good enough. Just be yourself authentic. Don't, don't perform to impress anybody else. Mm. You need to go to bed at night knowing you've done your best. Mm. And for some people that means if you're struggling with depression, if there is, is perhaps an addiction that is haunting you, go look for help. You don't have to do this on your own. God wants us to be team players and family members. And when you are weak, there's somebody else who's going to raise you up, who's going to hold your hands up, ask for help. It is available because you know what? It means paying forward, and your turn will come mm. to help somebody else again. Mm. Wow. Marianne, thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to be having another talk with you again. Uh, but thank you so much for these, and have a blessed, blessed one. Thank you, Simbagile. As always, lovely to talk to you. Have a fabulous day. God bless. Bye-bye. God bless you too and everybody else listening. Goodbye.